they were the beasts he had to keep chained up. But this morning, it had all gone wrong. During its journey through the hinterland of Oxford, the bus Martin caught to work was popular with schoolgirls from the local comprehensive. Their brazenness appalled him. They chewed gum. They fiddled endlessly with hair and makeup. They swore with shocking abandon. But still, Martin couldn't help stealing furtive glances in their direction, committing what he saw to his imagination, engraving there the tender swell of an adolescent breast or the deep, tempting shadow beneath the stretched fabric of a short black skirt. This morning, one of the girls on the bus noticed Martin staring. Swivelling her hips away from the aisle, she turned towards her mates. A moment later, when he worked up the courage to glance at the girls again, Martin saw them pointing at him and heard them giggling. Then the terrible epithet, Perv, was thrown in his direction. Soon the whole gang of girls were jeering at Martin. They made rude gestures too, delighting in this new low of their crudity. The adult passengers were staring at Martin now as well, the men grinning behind their hands as they twigged what was going on the women tutting and shaking their heads. Still the girls went on hurling their abuse down the bus to where Martin sat. His face, the seared red of a boiled lobster. He got to his feet and staggered down the juddering aisle towards the exit, every step he took accompanied by more of their sluttish grunts. Lost in a torment of shame, Martin rang the bell and waited by the driver, his eyes fixed on the road ahead. It took an eternity for the swaying bus to arrive at the next stop. During that time, like a bear tied to a stake before a pack of dogs, Martin was thoroughly humiliated in front of all the other passengers. At last, the door crumpled open and he almost fell down the steps and onto the pavement. As the bus chugged away, Martin looked up at the retreating back window where outraged faces mouthed obscenities and hands made revolting gestures. Now, an hour or so later, Martin stood alone in the quiet cool of the woodland walk, feeling the cortisol electrify his body with a sudden and undeniable urge for revenge. In the throbbing glade, Martin's beast slipped its leash and stood before him. Snarling, It pulled itself up to its full height, its breath hot upon his cheek. June Redfern worked part-time as the receptionist at the Iona Research Institute and, like Martin Blackthorne, was late for work that morning. Her handbag banged at her plump thigh as she dashed in through the sliding glass of the front doors in time to see George, the equally rotund security guard, put down the sleek telephone headset and get up from the reception desk with a sigh. Oh, thank you, George. You're an angel, June gasped, realising that, yet again, he'd taken the first call of the day on her behalf. Morning, June, George replied grumpily, walking past her to the interior door that gave access to the Institute proper. He swiped his card over the electronic eye set into the wall. Dismissing George with a wave, June plonked herself down in the chair he had vacated. It was still warm from his considerable behind, and manoeuvred the headset carefully over her wavy hairdo. She picked up the printed telephone list from the desk in front of her and fanned her face with its stapled leaves. The hot flushes were getting worse, 
and she wasn't best pleased when the doors at the front of the building immediately slid open again and let in the first visitor of the day. It was only the postboy. A shy young thing hiding his good looks beneath the mop of unruly hair and a pair of thick spectacles. One of those students who worked here for a few weeks every summer. Martin was his name, if June remembered rightly. She watched him push his trolley along the marble floor, two of the wheels rumbling nicely, the other squeaking. Morning, love, June huffed cheerily, pulling her blouse away from her bosom to let the air in. She smiled apologetically on behalf of her own disarray, but the lad was too embarrassed to hold eye contact with her. He was bent over his sack instead, rifling through the items on the top, pulling out a bundle of stuffed manila envelopes all done up in a rubber band. I've got something for Dr. Byron.